0: It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson.
1: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progressive Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey.
0: And I'm Dr. Davidson.
1: Uh, So on the last episode, we talked about fatigue. We gave an overview, uh, kind of a you know a bullet point list of uh, some of the possibilities. You know, maybe not all of them, uh, but certainly some generalized ideas. uh, And expanded on a couple. We're gonna now today we're gonna expand a little bit more. Uh, on what we kind of think as you know really which is still complicated but really the crux of the you know the this, this fatigue mystery for most people
0: and most of the patients that have come to our office I would say probably a hundred I would say really close to 99.9 percent of the patients complain about energy, complain about lack of energy. They've already been to their general practitioner, specialist, or internist and already been evaluated or worked up for something serious that be, could be causing the fatigue. And mo- I would say probably 99% of them that have been worked up have don't have a major illness or serious condition that's causing their energy. So then their primary care doctors, their general doctors really don't have a solution for them. So then they sort of end up at our doorstep.
1: Yeah. And that's, you know, and that I think is, again, there's specialists, there's different doctors for different things. Uh, Their job is to, you know, in some ways, maybe, you know, screen or catch or refer to other specialists. Now, granted, uh, a primary care doctor may or may not refer to someone like us, the patient themselves um, might not be satisfied with uh, well, everything checked out on your blood work, everything checked out on the imaging studies, everything checked out, you're fine, but people don't feel fine, which is why they keep looking for an answer to why they don't feel that way. Uh, now, on the last episode, you mentioned this kind of very classic profile or symptom profile. Uh, they're tired, they're stressed, and they're gaining weight, right? Right. Uh, you know, typically women, certainly it could be men as well. And they kind of fit into these, you know, this criteria. Uh, And even looking at them sometimes, you can almost sometimes see that fatigue and exhaustion and stress on their face. Uh, And that is, uh, at least to talk about this, that's the profile that we're going to use to explain where some of that comes from.
0: Yeah, that's the triad that probably walks in is they come in and they talk about, you know, they don't have any energy. And then, you know, we, we talk about a few things and it comes out that they're gaining weight and it might not be, that they're actually earning it you know they might be actually eating a pretty good healthy diet and do, trying to do a little exercise but cuz they're tired they're not you know they're not exercising as much but they're gaining weight and but probably um the overall you know commonality is they have a very stressful life and it doesn't mean that there's you know something horrifying going on in their you know in their life but it's just you know stress we all work we all are busy we all have families we all have communities to deal with so you know stress i think kind of comes down to the big crux of this, which like Dr. Mackey had mentioned, we're going to kind of talk about how everything kind of plays together in the body between the brain, the pancreas, the adrenals, the liver, as we talked about in the last podcast, and then kind of how everything sort of transcends and affects your digestive system in your your gut microbiome and how that affects your female hormones and your thyroid. And they all sort of you know, there's not one linear direction or one, you know, one problem. It's all how they interact with each other. And everybody's an individual, but it is true to make, I guess, a, a short statement long is that they come in, they're tired, they're stressed, and they're gaining weight.
1: Yeah, right. Uh, so you just kind of gave uh, an example of all the different facets, how multifactorial it is, all the different uh, Possibilities—the different organs, the different hormones, the the different lives that people live. Now, granted, in America, I think the majority of us live a fairly specific. Uh, Monday through Friday, nine to five, kind of a a, a schedule. Uh, so there's some patterns and some tendencies on a societal basis. Uh, you know, from you know from the west coast to the east coast and everything in between, we're all kind of living a relatively similar life in that respect. Uh, which means that stress level for, like you said, for most everybody is at the you know at a peak. Uh, nothing life threatening. Lof- nothing major. We're not getting bombed bombed by you know ISIS or anything like that. There's nothing life threatening per se. But um, as we also mentioned in one of the previous episodes, that stress is really more perception. And sometimes we turn things that are psychological stresses into very, you know, kind of not necessarily overblown, like we're not saying that people are making things up, um, but the brain has a really hard time to differentiate. And now it becomes this trickle down problem, you know, over, you know, over a period of time.
0: And so you think about, well, I have stress so how is stress affecting my energy how is stress affecting you know my weight or my metabolism and so that's where you know the the big long equation answer is is we certainly can't answer it in in a short podcast we could probably go on for weeks and it'll definitely evolve with time over with the answers but it does come down to kind of the way the entire system works together We were talking about this podcast a little bit earlier before we started talking, you know, talking to you, you all listeners is really, you know, where does it start? And we couldn't figure out where it started. You know, definitely the brain, you know, brain has a lot of, um, is impacted by the environment. And then it has a lot of influences and releasing hormones and stimulating hormones that it spreads out through the body. But then how those organs interact with each other, it really gets quite complicated.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's, we are trying to say, well, what is in the center of it? And there really is not a center of, you know, the fatigue mystery. Where does it come from? Uh, So that's why we're kind of trying to figure out a way to simplify that. So the brain, the liver, the pancreas, the adrenals, uh, there is one term that gets talked a lot about in functional medicine, which is called the HPA access. I think we've even mentioned it before uh, on this podcast on a previous episode, uh, which stands for the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access, which is a 50 cent word for sure. Uh, all that really means is that the brain and the adrenals are connected. Uh, so a lot of times when we think of stress, we think of adrenals up, but really it is kind of more brain down. Uh, you have certain areas of the brain, the amygdala, the hippocampus, uh, these areas are you know, affected by stress and actually, you know, uh, change over time because of that stress. Uh, and certainly this person that is stressed and tired and gaining weight, um, they definitely have some cognitive manifestations of that. You know maybe it, they refer to it as brain fog. their memory starts you know kind of fading on them. That doesn't mean they have Alzheimer's or dementia, um, but you start seeing it in these uh, you know, in these types of people that you know keep coming in over and over and over with the same with the same you know, the same pattern of symptoms.
0: So you think about, you know, the connection between the brain and the adrenals where, where, you know, where do you start on that? So you're, you know, you're, still living your life and you're thinking, okay, you're telling me it's about my brain and my adrenals. Well, what do I do with that? You know, what do I do with that HPA as Dr. Mackey refers to it, 50 cent word. Okay. You're telling me something I don't know what to do with. And I, and I get it because it is complicated, but it really, I think it's way more complicated than just the brain and the adrenal glands because you think the adrenal glands secrete cortisol. It secretes cortisol when your blood sugar's low. It secretes cortisol when you're stressed out. It secretes cortisol when you're happy and you know, because you can have happy stress. So the way that cortisol impacts the system, which Dr. Mackey loves to talk about, which is the insulin, which I think is the thing that a lot of doctors don't, even functional doctors don't even bring into play. I think insulin is the huge elephant in the room. Sure, the cortisol might be pushing it around, but it's the insulin that has all the effects that seem to manifest on the female hormones, on the thyroid, on your gut microbiome, on your liver.
1: And even uh, even on the brain, like uh, Alzheimer's nowadays is being referred to as type 3 diabetes, uh, which is another manifestation of chronic insulin resistance. Uh, So you're right. If you wanted to put something in the middle, you really could put the pancreas or the insulin in the middle uh, as being... You know, in the 21st century with the access to refined sugars and carbohydrates and all the, you know, the processed food that is out there, uh, the the insulin burden over time, right? It doesn't happen when you're in your 20s, although for some people it certainly can. Uh, it takes a while for that to catch up with you. Uh, and then by the time you hit your fourth decade, right, that's when really things start to go down. Your blood pressure goes up. Your weight goes up. Uh, your cholesterol goes up. You start having all these other things requiring more medications None of the medications that your doctor typically prescribes is really helping you feel any better. It's just managing some things on a lab test. Uh, So, and I, you know, we've talked to many people, I know you have as well as I do, that really it's their energy that they want to change the most, right? If they could just go from a, you know, low functioning energy to a good level of stamina on a regular basis, that would be game changing because now they would have the, you know, the endurance to, you know, to get through the, the day, the week, the month and the year.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we talk about health and preventing cardiovascular disease and diabetes and all that, you know, all that jazz, but really it all comes down to the energy. If people feel better, then they make better choices. If their energy is good, they're going to go exercise some more. If their energy is good, you know, they're going to eat better. They're actually going to want to go to the grocery store and chop up vegetables and wash them and, and eat them rather than when people are tired, they work, they, you know, they, binge on Netflix because they're tired and they don't and most of my some of my patients they come home from work and they can't even say their own name they're so tired they like have a cognitive you know um, actual functional uh, conversation with my spouse, yeah, not going to happen. I just want to either go to bed or watch TV because they're tired, and I get it. If if people had more energy, you know, they would feel better, and then our lives would take on a whole new look. Because then, like I said, they can exercise, they can eat better, they can ch- change things. So it's like that chicken and the egg. Where where do you start with it? And granted, our lives aren't going to change. We're still going to have stress in our life. It's just where can we Change kind of what Dr. Mackey likes to refer to is that cortisol-insulin roller coaster.
1: Yeah, right. And that you know, because we have to eat on a regular basis, we need food to sustain ourselves. We need calories to sustain, sustain ourselves. Really, on a day-by-day basis, insulin and cortisol are changing probably more than any other hormone. Maybe melatonin as well when you're sleeping. Um, but we are very much accustomed or. Uh, you know, tied to this circadian rhythm, you know these day-night cycles, uh, and the hormones kind of play a part of that. So when you create disruption in those major, you know, major hormones, as we refer to them as those metabolic hormones, then everything else is going to be disrupted. But as we've been talking, uh, and Kind of painting a picture of what people's lifestyles are across the country, uh, you can see where, you know, again, you're stressed out. So when you're stressed, you don't sleep very well at night. You know, your stress, your sleep quality actually goes down and then it starts to trickle over to the next day and it just repeats itself over and over. That might lead to poor dietary choice because you don't, you have a little bit of decision fatigue because you can't, you don't have the capacity to come home and cook a healthy meal. You stop off at a restaurant or you do something that's quick and easy and convenient because you just don't have enough in the brain to be able to make you to to do what needs to be done to to feel better. Right? You get stuck in that little bit of a, you know, trap so to speak and then it just kind of spirals over time.
0: And and it is very common, but it is interesting the way cortisol influences insulin and then insulin's like the muscle. You know, so um, for example, cortisol comes up with stress and then cortisol also goes down, you know, like I see a scary movie, or I get some bad news, or I watch the news and it's terrible, my cortisol goes up. And then when your cortisol goes up, it actually mobilizes glucose out of your large muscles, even if I had already eaten. So, you know, the typical, uh, you know, working adult wakes up and they're in a rush, they grab some coffee which does raise your cortisol by the way then maybe at work there's some donuts or there's some chips or there's something they can grab it's usually carbohydrate based which raises up your glucose, then you get really stressed out because you're trying to get things done, your cortisol goes up so so what glucose does is glucose tells the pancreas to mobilize insulin, so insulin comes out but then you throw extra cortisol in there which mobilizes more glucose so then you have more insulin so you have this exact exacerbated amount of insulin in the system, which if we were to go on another tangent, you know, doing that for years and years and years will lead to copious amounts of weight gain and diabetes type two, but acutely that excess insulin goes all over the place and causes basically what we would say first off would be more of a havoc on your liver. And then the liver has its, you know, its manifestation or or domino effect after that.
1: Yeah. The, uh, the first place when you eat something, you know, it really doesn't matter. You eat anything. The first place you're you eat something, goes in your stomach, your pancreas is going to release, you know, a bunch of things, some enzymes, it's going to release uh, some insulin. The first place that insulin goes, it doesn't go directly in your bloodstream. The first place it goes is to your liver. Uh, So the liver is the first tissue, the first organ that is exposed to insulin. Uh, So based on that cycle that Dr. Davidson just mentioned, if that happens over and over and over and more insulin, more insulin, more insulin, pretty soon the liver starts to, it actually stops responding to the insulin as a Efficiently as it should, so then it forces the pancreas to produce more and more and more, and then pretty soon the liver stops producing, you know, st- really stops uh, listening to it, and then that extra insulin burden ends up in your bloodstream, affecting all the other organs, uh, and then that's where that whole insulin resistant cycle uh, comes from. So the you know the insulin cortisol roller coaster, right? That's the afternoon fatigue. That's where the people feel like they have these highs and lows throughout their day. Um, that's the perfect example of someone that is uh, living exactly what we're talking about right now. That's why the food, right? The food, uh, low allergen, uh, allergenic diet and a low glycemic load is really the first step as to kind of restoring your energy on a regular basis.
0: Because you think about with that insulin cortisol roller coaster, it's going to increase up cravings. So that's why on your way home from work, you think, you know what, let's just go grab a quick Mexican food or something, fast food or something I can bring home or a pizza or something easy or usually carbohydrates, you know, so you know salt and carbohydrate, and then maybe have some sweets later. So that causes the cravings to go up. But at the same time, for females, it actually, rep- you know, affects the female reproductive system. That's where you see a lot of estrogen dominance. So that then you have heavy periods you have moodiness, you have weight gain from that. And then also with the thyroid, it tends to stunt the thyroid function as well. And that, as we've always talked about, because we're always big into talking about thyroid function, that has its own kind of snafu of problems. So really if we were to dial it back to make it probably way more simple than of course it obviously is, is something we need to do is to balance that insulin and balance the cortisol.
1: Yeah, right. Now, granted, we've talked about that in a few different ways. But uh, the point being, the reason why we keep talking about that is because it manifests in a multitude of ways. It's not just this one issue or this one aspect. It's not just about diabetes. It's about a lot of the things that we see over and over and over again. You know, we see these patterns. These patterns happen for a reason. For some reason, this pattern is not really... Clear to the primary care world, right? The you know the conventional medical approach. Yeah, they understand uh, uh, metabolic syndrome. That certainly is on their radar, but that a lot of times is just related to cholesterol levels. Uh, you know, and maybe your triglyceride levels. Really, that if you have high cholesterol, high triglycerides, that's still boils down to being an insulin problem. So when you do blood work on someone, which we do blood work all the time, there's lots of clues and there's nothing definitive to say, okay, you're insulin resistant. Not really. Um, but there's a few different types of tests that can be done that basically paint a picture. Okay, this person is heading down this insulin kind of cortisol path and they have markers of inflammation. They have elevated blood glucose. They have elevated insulin. They have all these different things that Um, You know, when we see that, we know kind of how to deal with that or what that actually interpret that into meaning something fairly specific.
0: And of course, the symptom, you know, the symptoms that come from that, you can pretty much, you know, pick, you know, pick out of a crowd. You're tired. You're stressed out and you're gaining weight, especially in the middle in the stomach, because that's where high levels of cortisol, high levels of insulin, not high enough levels that it, you know, like I said, it's not diabetes, but you're insulin resistant and you have all this cortisol, it goes into the stomach, you know, specifically into the stomach. And as we've talked about in a couple of other podcasts that, you know, I have females that come in, they're you know they're stressed they're tired and they say they've never had a stomach before why do they have a stomach right now they weigh more than they did when they were than when they were pregnant you know with their children so that really comes down to where can you know how do we balance that again that insulin and cortisol roller coaster you know there's there's lots of supplements you know you know the gut microbiome is real hot right now with leaky gut and curing SIBO, and sure those are super important to helping somebody feel better. But it really, if you were to come down to the nitty gritty, the very first thing that you can do is to readjust and change the food.
1: Yeah, right. Uh, it is is maybe as boring or as unsexy as that is? Um, that is still a foundational p- a piece. And I would say uh, the food and sleep kind of go hand in hand, right? Those are two foundational things. And a lot of times the food leads to better sleep because uh, the food will help to balance the insulin and cortisol, which then will help improve your sleep quality. And then now you're kind of on the road to recovery. Now there can be some kind of restoration and kind of building somebody back up. Uh, And then over a period of a few weeks to a few months, their energy is actually being restored because you get them off that hamster wheel uh, of that vicious cycle that just keeps repeating itself over and over and over again. In some ways, as time goes on and people get older and older, they start feeling worse and worse and you're getting closer and closer to some kind of actually some kind of major disease. Um, you know, so unfortunately in conventional medicine, there's really nothing ever done until there actually is something definitive in black and white to be diagnosed. Diabetes, heart disease, those things are clear. This thing that we're talking about right now doesn't really have a name. Insulin resistance, you know, that's not really the name of it. That's maybe a contributing factor. There might be, you know, kind of a a leading physiologic, uh, what do you want to call it, compensatory mechanism of the 21st century. Um, But it's not a diagnosis or it's not not seen as a diagnosis. That's why there's this big disconnect between when you all go to your doctor and tell him that you don't feel or tell her that you don't feel very well. And then when they get your blood work back, you know, the symptoms, Simple things that are done every year over and over and over when those things come back being normal they're like well you know everything checked out you're fine you know that's i would imagine that's very frustrating you know i would imagine that that probably gets old after a while because you know as a person yourself you know you just don't feel very good you know you know you don't have the energy that you need um right to run the household to work full time to you know and then have a uh, have a personal life outside of all those things
0: yeah, so you know, we're just reaching out to you know to the listeners. Uh, you know, if we had a had you in front of us as my patient, sure, we do blood work. We try to you know tonify those adrenals, work on that thyroid, um, work on the reproductive hormones. But let's say that you're listening to us and you don't have access to functional medicine, or you certainly can't end up on our doorstep in Washington. That you know, and you're you know you don't have a serious condition that's creating your fatigue and you do feel like you fit into that triad of I'm stressed, I'm gaining weight and I'm tired and you're not really sure, well, where can I start? The easiest thing that you can do is do a low glycemic load diet, you know, or change your dietary habits, but don't go on a diet. You don't want to restrict your calories because we've talked about that before. Remember is restricting calories is a big no-no, but changing up the car, the way the carbohydrates um, go into your system, the type of carbohydrates that you eat. Because as we talked about, when glucose goes up, insulin goes goes up. So how do you keep your glucose balanced? That's, you know, a lot of people focus on on the sugar, but we're trying to focus more on the insulin. You know, what foods affect the glucose that in turn affect the insulin in particular, which then you've got the cortisol, you know, roaming around and doing its thing. So like I said, I'm kind of, kind of rambling on here a little bit, but back to the basics, as unsexy as it is, is really doing kind of more, more of a low carbohydrate, but healthy caloric diet.
1: Yeah. And then once that is kind of in place and there's, you know, because let's be honest, the diet is the hardest thing to change, as we've said before, but also one of those foundational things. And it's one of the, one of the parts that you can actually check off the list, right? When that is, you know, kind of in place and, you know, it evolves over time, you're not going to be perfect at it right away. Uh, But the good news is, is once you kind of make a shift in the, in your dietary pattern and habit, um, you do see a change very quickly. That afternoon fatigue that we talked about on the last episode—that you know fatigue between 1.30 and four thirty or two and five—that uh, fatigue uh, should go away relatively quickly. Usually within the first you know week, within the first ten days, certainly within the first two weeks, that afternoon fatigue should go away. Um, as a sign, you know that should be the thing you look for the most when you're making any kind of dietary change. If you're getting sleepy after a meal or have that afternoon fatigue, um, you should notice that part uh, to disappear probably first and foremost.
0: And also the puffiness, when you change up that dietary, and we had talked about the keto carb cycling program that we have that's free on our content library on our website, that by doing that, it does, it takes away the puffiness. So usually the first two weeks, it, you really the first week, you notice a lot of that water weight that's just that puff that's hanging around, that goes away. The energy, like Dr. Mackey says, takes a good week to two before you start to notice that because you are really detoxifying your body from all the, the insulin, you're getting the insulin receptors upregulated again, you're getting, you know, the, horm- you know, the whole hormonal cascade, which doesn't happen overnight because it took a while to get to the point that you're at. It's going to take, you know, a sh- not too long, but, you know, a little bit of time to, to get you feeling at your best.
1: Yeah, now another little kind of caveat to that, you know, another thing that comes into play because what do people do when they're tired? They consume more caffeine. Either they didn't consume it before or now they do, or their caffeine consumption has increased. They went from one cup to two cups, two cups to three cups, two cups to one cup in the afternoon. You know, their caffeine consumption has increased because they're looking for more energy. The problem with that is, as we talked about, you cannot overstimulate the brain you can't overstimulate really any organ, any endocrine gland in the body without having kind of a long-term consequence to that. So another way to increase your energy is to actually decrease your caffeine consumption, whether it's coffee or energy drinks or, you know, anything like that. You you know that that's kind of like the, uh, the analogy that I've heard before other people use is that um uh, that uh, caffeine is like a credit card, right? You can take some money out, but you know, you're know you going to have to pay that back with interest, meaning the interest you're paying back is you're going to have less energy later on. And then eventually, uh, the caffeine, you don't get that bol- uh, 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 jolt or boost anymore from the caffeine anyways, you're just having it there to prevent a headache and keeping you feeling somewhat functional and normal, okay? So another part to that of making the dietary change is... Uh, to, you don't have to completely eliminate your coffee, but at least, you know, kind of either cycle it or minimize it. If you're consuming one cup and you're still tired, then maybe go to half calf. If you're already at half calf, then maybe go to decaf. Uh, you know, there's some, there's a bunch of different ways. Maybe go to green tea. If you're really sensitive, there's lots of different ways that you can do that. And all of them will, you know, in some respects, decrease your caffeine burden. And, uh, you know, over time that can be very helpful at restoring energy levels.
0: No, I think um, green tea is a great alternative if you're trying to cut back on caffeine, because he's Dr. Mackey's right, you know, you've got to keep it to one cup in the morning of coffee if you're gonna have coffee at all. Or just do green tea and then try and they have found, especially with females, that taking um, caffeine too much later in the day that it does seem to have a it does seem to stay in our systems a lot longer. So you don't wanna have any caffeine necessarily after noon. Um, you know, after 12 or depending on, you know, your, your work and and sleep cycle, but you really don't want to have it a good 12 hours, you know, maybe, yeah, usually they say it stays in your system for at least 12 hours. So you want to kind of back off a little bit on that, but definitely, you know, like I had mentioned, we have that KCCP protocol that has everything lined out because, like I mentioned and Dr. Dr. Mackey mentioned is it is hard to change the food and you are tired. It is much easier to go through a drive-thru or something and pick up food and bring it to your family rather than going home and cooking. But in the protocol, we do have it, you know, kind of streamlined down where it's a lot simpler for you to follow. You know, you know, you know what you're buying, you know what you're eating, you know how you're making it.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. And and believe me, when you're already kind of feeling tired and exhausted anyways, the idea of adding something else on your plate like that can be, you know, again, also a little overwhelming, but it is kind of essential to turning the tide and you know overcoming something like that uh, because really we're talking about this kind of metabolic dysfunction at its core uh, and that once that is in place uh, that starts to escalate uh, as I've already stated it escalates into bigger and bigger problems or are you just feeling worse and worse over time whether it's blood work getting worse or you feeling worse or a combination of both of those uh, eventually that might turn into one of those you know kind of major you know a catastrophe kind of problems, diabetes, heart disease, cancer, you know, Alzheimer's. Those are all the things that living in this country all have to deal with. Um, you know, our job, uh, what we are helping people trying to do is feel feel good in the short term, but also prevent those things in the long term. You know, ultimately, I think that's what we all want. And believe me, we understand probably more so than most uh, physicians and healthcare practitioners of how complicated this fatigue thing is, because we do have to get out there every day and, you know, and, and make living and support our families. um, That is really difficult to do if you don't have the energy to do it.
0: Yeah. So if you've got a stressful life, you know, what can we do to work around that stress, which is the elephant in the room, but like, you know, we all have, we all have stress in our life is in you know changing the food you know possibly look you know doing some blood work to check out your insulin doing some blood work to you know to check your thyroid and your reproductive hormones maybe even working on your liver a little bit like i'd mentioned there's lots of supplements and protocols that people spend hundreds if not thousands of dollars trying to work on their energy and you know work on their their organs but there are some really good ones out there that probably at a later date we might tell you what you know we might put down a list of what work what's worked for us you know what's worked for our patients but there's a there's a lot to do out there i just think the first thing to do would be to you know try to try to change up that dietary a little bit
1: yeah right and that uh, and then, like i said that sets the stage for everything else and now you can you know make you can feel confident that that part is checked off off, and it does have the biggest impact because of those two major hormones are being affected significantly and very quickly in that process. Uh, so uh, again, very complicated, uh, you know, the brain, the liver, the pancreas, the adrenals, you know, in physiology, like I mentioned, the, you know, the, there are all these different accesses um, between your, what they call your endocrine glands. Those are your hormone secreting glands. It, you know, it is very, very complicated, but at the same time, you know, it is, noticeable in people on a regular basis. We can see how it manifests and kind of reverse engineering that and see where people are and understanding this little bit of communication, interaction, how the body responds and goes a long way to be able to, you know, be able to correct it and help people find solutions to it.
0: Yeah. So I think, um, you know, if you have any questions, please visit our website, progressyourhealth.com and, you know, send us send us a message or if this resonates with you or you have your own story to share with us, we'd love to hear it.
1: Right. So uh, until another episode, I'm Dr. Macking.
0: I'm Dr. Davidson.
1: Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at ProgressYourHealth.com.